Good morning, 1C. Good morning, online worshiping community. Glad you're with us today. In this Advent season, in this Christmas season, we remember the birth of Christ and what it means for us today, tomorrow, and forever. Glad you're with us. A couple quick announcements as we make our way into worship. Uh, don't forget, if you are a guest here, we'd love to get to know you. And if you would text 1C guest to 94,000, that would help uh, start the communication. Also, we'll have uh, our prayer time a little bit later. So if you have a prayer request, feel free to text your request to 402-242-5051. Also, here at 1C, we celebrate the Lord's Supper, communion. And uh, we believe that it is bread and wine, yes, but also the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. So we'd love for you to be a part of that celebration. And if you did not get the elements before the service, you can make your way um, soon, if you would, into the family gathering area and you can receive uh, these elements and then be ready for this, that celebration later. Also on the way in, hopefully, if you did, uh, we have half sheets of paper and this is gonna be one of the ways in which we're gonna communicate to you. There's a QR code there and if you take your camera on your phone and you take a picture of it in essence, it's gonna give you a lot of the announcements that we would love for you to know. So please, please, please um, take this if you would. In fact, on here you're gonna see that we have our Christmas services coming up Wednesday, December 30, uh, 23rd at 6.30 and then Thursday, Christmas Eve, at three, five, and seven. So we're adding a couple more services so that we can gather together and still be socially distanced. So we'd love for you to be a part of that as well. And then one last announcement. You see the giving garland up here? It's a beautiful tradition we have here at 1C where you can pick a gift that is going to bless um, a young person in our community. So uh, there's information on here, and we'll uh, keep giving you more information as we continue. Uh, let's worship our Lord. We invite you to stand at this time. Worship with us. Put your hands together.
better on you than the previous owner. What? I'm having a hard time losing these last few pounds since bearing your children, and that's the best you can do? I look better than a goat? Thanks. Babe, you know you are the most beautiful woman on the planet. Mm. What? I'm the only woman on the planet. Well, I can't help that. You know, and it's amazing that as the only woman on the planet, you still can't seem to remember my birthday or give me flowers once in a while. Well, I did give you a rib. Oh, right. I forgot about that, since you haven't mentioned it for an hour. It's like your free pass to never lift a finger for me again. Never lift a finger? I am out there busting my rear all day. Food just doesn't pop up from the ground. I have to get it with the sweat of my brow, since someone went and got the ground cursed. You think farming's hard? Try raising those kids. Try giving birth. Well, if someone wouldn't have taken advice from a talking reptile. Oh, here we go. Are you talking to me, little snake? What? 
Oh, jump off a bridge? Oh, I would, but they haven't been invented yet. Oh, eat this fruit? Well, you look like a pretty trustworthy snake. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, well, we were until you went and pretty much ruined it for all of mankind, so good job with that. I seem to remember you taking a bite, too. Well, I thought I was eating from the tree of the knowledge of restfulness and serenity. Right. It's never your fault. Besides, what was I going to do with a fallen wife? That would just be weird. Oh, you fell for me? You're an idiot. Idiot? I named every single animal. Right. Great job with that. A, a prairie dog's not a dog, a seahorse isn't a horse, and a bald eagle isn't bald. Well, I was going pretty fast. Aardvark? Platypus? Okay, they were at the back of the line. Not everything can be cat or rat or bat. Hippopotamus? Yeah, well, woman was taken. Okay, how many gorge do you have back there? That was a joke. Not good for men to be alone. <sighs> no, it's great. You can go ahead and, and have a seat. Uh, boys and girls, conflict and argument has been around for a long time. Ever since Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden, it's been around. Um, and it, it can make us look pretty silly, can't it? Just like that video. But it can also try to steal our joy. It causes damages in relationships. It hurts people. And it can even try to steal the joy of Christmas, the true joy of Christmas. But the cure for sin, for conflict, for argument, is even older than the first argument. It's older than fire, older than farming, older than goatskin clothes. Jesus. Jesus is the reason we have lights and gifts and presents. Jesus is the reason we have this Advent and Christmas season. But Jesus is also the cure for conflict, for fighting, for arguments. He solves it all. And even way back before God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. He said that he was promising to send a Savior who would come into this world, who would wipe out sin, death, pain, conflict, fighting, and make all things new again. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. We look forward to celebrating the birth of Jesus, and we look forward to Jesus coming again to make all things new, all things perfect. So let's focus on Jesus this Christmas and not our conflict. Will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands, bow our heads, and you can repeat after me. Dear Jesus, please fill us with your love and help us to rest in your joy as we share your love with others. Amen.
couple came to Bethlehem Expecting child They searched the air To find a place for you Are coming soon There was no room For them to stay So in a manger Filled with hay God's only son was born Oh, hallelujah 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 The shepherds left their flocks by night baby wrapped in light a host of angels led them all to you it was just as the angel said you'll find them in a major bed Emmanuel and Savior Hallelujah Bethlehem, the wise men three came many miles and journeyed long for you. And to the place at which you were, their frankincense and golden myrrh, they came to you. take you on a journey of, um, well, following the scriptures. Uh, St. Paul talks about the fact that we should examine ourselves. And what that means is we look in the mirror and we get honest with ourselves and with God about who we are and what we need. And so I want to take you on that journey as we pray to our Lord. Let's pray. Gracious merciful heavenly father your word your scripture says it like it is 
All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of your desire for your people. And we know that we would be lost without you, but uh, this time of Advent and this time of Christmas is a beautiful reminder of how you came to rescue us. You saw our sin, you saw our desperation. And in the sending of your son, in his perfect life, in his death and in his resurrection, we have forgiveness, we have life, we have joy, we have peace. So we thank you for all that you have done for us so that we can be forgiven and have our relationship with you restored again. What a beautiful gift. There is no gift that compares to that. So thank you again for loving us. Thank you for uh, bringing us together as your faith community. And we celebrate your grace for us and for all. In the name of Jesus, amen.
beautiful song. But also, as we consider that, that O Holy Night about 2,000 years ago, uh, the birth of the Christ child, a very beautiful night. But there was also a night 33 and a half years after that, where Jesus was in an upper room. He was with his disciples. They were celebrating the Passover. And that was the time in which God rescued his people from Pharaoh and Egypt and delivered them from there to the promised land. And in that meal, he, he gave a whole new meaning and significance as he gave this gift of bread and wine and he said, it's also my body and blood. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. So if you would, take the bread, the body of Christ, and take and eat. This is the body of Christ given for you. If you would, also take the wine or the juice, and take and drink, this is the blood of Jesus, shed for you for your forgiveness. We pray. Lord Jesus, your grace is amazing. Your grace is life-changing. Thank you for this gift given out of love and received by faith. And we pray that this forgiveness given, this faith being strengthened in us, would empower us to live as your children. So thank you for your goodness and grace. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we just thank you that you are with us wherever we are in our walk, that you hear us prayer, Lord, to please ease my daughter's anxiety and depression. Prayers for healing for Pat Miller, who is in the hospital with COVID, struggling with oxygen levels. Prayers of thanks and blessing for Ernie's 98th birthday tomorrow. Prayers for healing for Lee. May his health improve quickly and recover fully prayer that my brother-in-law and sister get better. Prayers of strength and miraculous healing for our dad fighting COVID in the hospital. God strengthen his spirit and body. Send your Holy Spirit to comfort him and all those alone in the hospital. God bless the hospital staff for their love and sacrifice. Give them protection and strength and encouragement as they care for COVID patients. Place a hedge of protection around me, my family, and friends. Lord, we pray that you just bring peace and healing and unity to our nation. Calm our fears and help us to come together as one. And Lord, we just thank you that you are 
our Lord and Savior, and that you are here to bring us peace in Jesus' name into our lives and help us to look to you. Join me as we say the Lord's Prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Elmer, this is Santa. I need you to take the packages you mislabeled back to shipping to be rewrapped. Elmer, I mean now. Elmer, 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 is he going to get it or not? It doesn't appear like it. You must be a, a slow learner. As uh, we go through this, I hear chuckles. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I get a glimpse of myself as I look at Elmer. You know, last week, materialism. This week, uh, there's a conflict going on between he and Inga. Uh, there's trouble brewing I'm not sure if they're going to get the true meaning of Christmas. That conflict seems to be getting the best of them. We, th <clears throat> we thought about that as we were um, kind of playing out this scenario. In fact, if you, you know, on your way into worship, we have a whole big pack, um, um, stack of packages. <laughs> and they really are to serve as, well, a distraction, you know, when we're coming in. And isn't that... <clears throat> Isn't that what happens in Christmas? There's so many different distractions that can pull us away from the real meaning of Christmas. In fact, that's why we, we picked the theme that we did. Now, you know the, the movie in which this is based after, right? What, what is it? Who Stole Christmas? <coughs> Who? The yes, the Grinch Stole Christmas. Let's go back to that, that, that story. The Grinch was up in the mountains, and something was bothering him. Do you know what it is? <coughs> it was ridicule that he gets. I mean, that, you know, kind of the heartbeat of it, the ridicule. But what was he hearing that was really bothering him? Yeah, singing. There was a bunch of joy going down in, in Whoville, right? And so... the. Um, he was devising some kind of plan in order to take away that joy. And he thought that the joy was uh, coming from things like presents and food. So he had this idea of going down there and then 
taking all of that away and hopefully taking away the joy. How did that work for him? Yep, not too good. In fact, their joy continued because it wasn't based on presence. So, last week, (coughs) we talked about one of the aspects of what can steal the joy of Christmas from us is the idea of materialism. I'll just say, I think, at times, the pressure of either giving or receiving gifts is a lot. Are you going to get the perfect gift? Are you going to give the perfect gift or not? And for some people, that will either make or break Christmas. That was last week. Now, this week, we're going to talk about what you've already heard in the kids' message and also with Elmer and Inga, the whole idea, the conflict that stole Christmas. And it's going to be pretty simple today. We're going to take a look at two points. Number one, the source of conflict. And then number two, the solution for conflict. And we're going to take a look at those in light of uh, the book of James, chapter 4. And so we're going to look at the source of conflict, and we're going to look at James, chapter 4. And he says it pretty succinctly. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that may spend what, um, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So I think James is saying, there, in essence, there's two issues, two um, things that are getting in the way of people like you and me enjoying the, the true blessing of Christmas. The first one has to do with a twisted desire. He's, again, he said it in verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And I think of that image, especially found in Hollywood, when they try to depict this battle going on between, you know, on the one shoulder you have, you know, Satan trying to whisper and, and lead you astray. Um, contrary to what God wants to say. And then you have the angel on the other shoulder trying to tell you the truth of what God wants to say. And there is a battle going on. And ever since Adam and Eve, that battle is real. The apostle Paul even talked about it. Do you remember what he said? He said, the good I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I end up doing. So we're all twisted up in this thing called sin, and it wreaks havoc in our relationship with God and also our relationship with others. And I'll just put the word conflict there. There is this conflict that is going to remain until Christ comes again. I see it in my life. I see it in yours. I see it in my office. I see it in this world. Conflict is a current present reality that we will wrestle with until Christ comes again. Part of that is because we have what's called a marginalized spirituality. I think there are times that we take God and we put him in this little box and and we think that we've got it all figured out. Now, again, James says it this 
You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Think about how our conflict, especially with God and with others, is dramatically impacted by our view of who God is. When we picture God being about this big, or when we decide we want to turn on or turn off our faith, our spirituality, don't we find ourselves in the dark, stumbling around, and having difficulty? Now, we could see it in the world. We could see it with Elmer. But are we ready to see it in ourselves? And I'll tell you, it's not easy to look at that. It's rather uh, sobering and humbling to look at that and say, you know what, there are times that I and you have a very small view of who God is. So that brings us then to the solutions of conflict, which again, we go to the book of James and James is going to give us some instruction. He says, you know, if you want to deal with this conflict, if you want to deal with these twisted desires and this marginalized spirituality of God, he says this, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And then he goes further. He says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So, solutions. Number one, when we are dealing with our conflict with God, which is my sin, your sin, the answer is humility, not pride. He says it this way, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And again, we did this earlier when we confessed our sins and we reminded we reminded ourselves and each other, we fall short. And so humility means seeing ourselves as we really are. Humility means acknowledging that we're a sinner. And we come before God and say, God, I can't do anything about this sin. It is too big. And then James says he lifts us up. And so... You know, if you're sitting here today and you feel like you've got this conflict with God that is so big, so gigantic, and so hopeless, I want to remind you today, draw near to him and he'll lift you up. Draw near to him and lay before him your sin, your worry, your guilt, all the things that want to pull you away from the joy that comes in Christ. Lay that all to him. Because he took care of all of it. He suffered and died and rose again so that sin would not be the last word. Not despair, not helplessness or hopelessness, but a sense of peace 
and well-being with God. All right? But now here, here's the one I think may be difficult, and I'll even say during Christmas time, it becomes exasperated, gets really big too. It's when we have conflict with others. And the answer, according to James, is not judging people, but the answer is charity. And what I did is I, I looked for a different verse because, you know, James, I love it. He talks about how judgment it doesn't help us. But Jesus teaches on what to do when we have conflict with others. He left no room for, for error. He left no room to wonder. He says it very succinctly. He says it in Luke 6. Love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful, evil men. I don't know about you. If I had to fill this in, um, and if you had to fill in the, the word, what, what should you do to your enemies? I would fill it in with judge them. I would fill it in with get even with them. I would fill it in with don't trust them and don't talk to them and walk the other way and you have every right to be angry. That's what I would fill it in with. And yet Jesus addresses it differently. If you're having conflict with somebody, maybe even the person you're sitting next to right now, or maybe it's somebody that's in a cubicle near you. Maybe it's somebody, you know, a classmate of you that you just can't stand seeing, and yet their locker is right next to your locker. What's the answer? Love or charity. I think of 1 Corinthians 13. It's a great chapter. It's known as the love chapter. And in there, it's a list of what to do and what not to do when it comes to love patient, kind, you're not supposed to envy or be rude. I mean, it's a really beautiful, exhaustive list of what we're supposed to do when we live a life of love. And I put the word charity down because, I, you know, I think it takes it in a whole different place. Charity is a time where we take what we have and we give to somebody else. And when we think of what charity isn't or what it doesn't do, I mean, here's just a little list. Charity doesn't say what it could say. Charity doesn't assume the worst about somebody. And charity doesn't hold a sin against somebody who has caused offense. And yet, when I'm left to my own, I am very capable of going on the road more traveled. Going on the road that James was getting at, right? You know, when you have all these quarrels and you have this bickering, um, James says, don't, don't do the judgment thing. That's up to Jesus. That's not up to you. So how do we, how do we learn this? How do we capture this? How do we go on the road less traveled? The road of charity, the road of grace. Well, let's take a look at several scriptures from the master of love and charity, and it's Jesus himself.
So in Mark chapter 14, um, here's a context for this. Jesus is on trial, the trial of his life. There are a bunch of people that do not want to see him live another day, and they're pressing him on every side. The high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? If there was anyone that could give an answer and defend himself and say, you know what, I'm innocent of these charges, it would be Jesus. But we're told that he remained silent. Why? Because he remembered what he came for. He remembered that love and charity was going to make a difference in this world, right, in general, but specifically in his journey to go to the cross at Calvary. He knew that's why he came. And and as I've used that phrase already, it was the road less traveled. Jesus stayed the course because he knew that people like you and me wouldn't stay the course. He knew that people like you and me, when we've been wronged by somebody and there's a conflict with somebody, we're ready to defend ourselves, put down other people, and be right. But that's not what Jesus says to do. In fact, when we look at Luke chapter 23, I mean, here's Jesus on the cross. Remember, there, there were two thieves up there. One of them, I mean, it was all about him. Jesus, if you are the Son of God, take yourself off the cross and us too. But what did Jesus do? In the midst of this moment, in the midst of the weight of the sin of the world on him, charity and love was on his mind and heart and on his actions. So instead of taking himself off the cross, because he had every right to do that, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And yes, specifically, he was speaking of the people that put him on the cross 2,000 years ago, but I'm going to tell you specifically, and I believe he's speaking about people like you and me. We are so ignorant. We are so lost in our sin. We're so lost in our own conflict. We don't get it. And yet Jesus is thinking of us. But one more story, and and this is just one of many. I could tell you story after story after story of how Jesus demonstrated love and charity in his interaction with people. In John chapter 8, we have the story where a woman was caught in adultery. They dragged her out to the edge of town, and what was permissible, according to the law of Moses, was that this woman could be stoned for her sin. So here they are, they're saying, okay, Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. What do you say? They were really trying to trick him. So what did he do? He went down the road of charity and love. He said, whoever is without sin, cast the first 
stone. You could almost picture the silence that was going on. You know, because it started out really as a riot. I mean, they were getting excited, so to speak, to be able to stone this woman to death. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law. I mean, they were ready to do this judgment thing. And yet Jesus said, who's ever without sin? So you can hear all the stones being dropped one by one. It says in the scriptures that the older ones drop the stones first and then the younger. I think the, the older Pharisees got it first. But here's the powerful, life-changing moment between Jesus and this woman. You see, there was a conflict here. The conflict was she sinned and she deserved death. But here's what happened. John 8, verse 10. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Her world was changed. Not just in that moment. I mean, it was pretty dramatic. She was going to be dead by law, but instead she's now forgiven. But even beyond that, there is this eternity thing. This is, this is where the grace of God comes in. You see, what Jesus demonstrated was what I would like for you to understand today is the E-G-R. How many of you have ever heard of E-G-R? Looking out there to see. <laughs> it is a concept that I believe that when people like you and me get more fully, it's going to change what we do. It's going to change how we live. It changes our perspective and outlook on our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. You see, Jesus understood the concept of extra grace required. He knew that there were people People with flesh like you and me 2,000 years ago as well as today that really need grace. And what did he do? He, we saw the story right here. The woman that was caught in adultery was forgiven. She was an EGR person. And as we go through this story, we need to step into the story and not just step back and say, yep, there are people like that. I'm glad Jesus loves them. See, the truth is, all of us, you and me, are EGR people. And for the sake of illustration, I am willing to make myself look foolish. You know what happens when the love of Christ comes to somebody like me or like you, it's kind of like, even though I deserve death, even though I deserve separation from God forever, Jesus, who gets EGR, comes and 
gives us grace. He gives us the gift of grace and says, I love you. You are valued. You are honored. You are mine. And I don't know about you, there is so much grace here. There's so much goodness and love and mercy. I cannot contain it in my own life just by myself. It is too much. So you know what he wants us to do? I'm going to say don't do this physically. Don't go be buying a big bag of bows and going around to people say you're an EGR person and stick it on their forehead. I'm not sure that would be really good. But I think the attitude would be really good. Look at the people around you, maybe the people that you have the greatest conflict in and with. And spiritually, emotionally, maybe with your actions, come up to them and give them the grace that's going to change a life. Not it's not the road more traveled. It's the, the road less traveled. And I just want people like you and me to get a picture of the magnitude of the grace of God and how big it is and how we have been given this grace so that we can share this grace. Even with our enemies, yes. I'm going to give you one last picture. And some of you probably seen it on the news, but coming up on December 21st, Jupiter and Saturn are going to do something. Science, right? And we're going to have the Christmas star, and this happens every 800 years. And I'm going to tell you that 2020 has been a very dark year. December 21st is the darkest day of the year. Think what you like, but I'm going to choose that this is one way in which God wants to say, hey, hey kids, I know what you're going through. I know how tough it's been. I know there's still uncertainty out there. I, kn I know that you have more question marks than exclamation marks. But I'm going to put up in the sky a reminder You see, this Christmas star, or the Star of Bethlehem, as it's also called, that, that brought the wise men to, to them, um, is, is in a shape of the cross. My prayer is that we would hold on to this, and we would point to this, and we would share this, and we would take the grace of God that has changed my life, your life, for eternity, and we would share this with others. That we would not let conflict distract us from the meaning and the purpose and the power of Christmas. And that the light of Christ would shine more brightly in us and through us. Amen. Now, one thing that we're doing, um, this is, we're doing this during the Advent season, is in response to the word of God that has been shared, I want us to respond. 
I think, I think we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can respond back to this good news. And one way in which we can do it is through the sharing of the Apostles' Creed, which is a beautiful summary of who God is and what did he do for us. So I'd like to invite you at this time to please stand, and we're going to profess together the good news and the grace and the mercy of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let's share this together out loud. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Receive now the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Angels we have heard on high Sweetly singing o'er the plains And the mountains in reply Echoing their joyous strains Well shepherds why this jubilee your joyous strains prolong what the gladsome tidings be which inspire your heavenly song
giving garland up here, it's a great chance to bless some great kids around this community. So with that, please, go in peace and serve the Lord. Well, Shepherds kept their watching, all silent flocks by night.